All right, you guys, podcast time. We got the equipment and the perfect business plan. Give our show away for free and tell no one how to find it. Ready? Welcome, everyone, once again to yours, mine, your favorite Yankee podcast, or as we got some stats this week, could possibly be the fourth most popular podcast somewhere in the Middle East. Dylan, what's going on, bud? Well, I'm feeling sick. Dylan's Uh, under the weather, yes. You were sick last week or the week before, but now I'm sick this week, so we took some turns. It's going around. We're, we're, We're passing it back and forth, so... Well, let's get to it. Let's get right down to business. What we're going to do, folks, we're going to change it up a little bit today based on some some, uh, feedback that I'm getting from you because we do listen to you, the fans, and uh, you guys support the show, so we want to give you what you want, that you wanted less nuts and bolts and more just opinionated stuff. So let's get to that real quick. Season 3, Episode 25, the Jim Abbott edition. Dylan, do you know who Jim Abbott is or was? Yes, he was the one-handed pitcher. Correct. A pitched no-hitter for the Yankees with one hand which not hard enough to, I guess, to make the major leagues being a one-handed pitcher, but then throw a no-hitter, pretty That's impressive. impressive. So, yeah, so he gets the he gets the nod for the number 25. I guess the other one I could have picked was uh, Jason Giambi, maybe. Mark Teixeira. Well, who would you go? Would you go Teixeira or Giambi for relevancy oh. with the Yankees? Uh, it's close, I think. Probably neither, because none of them are really known <laughs> well, for being on the Yankees. Well, that's why. Well, I mean, if you had to pick one, though, I mean, that's why I picked Jim Abbott. I mean, those were my yeah. options. So. Well, he wasn't even a Yankee his whole career either. Guy so. had one. The guy had one hand. Come on, I had one no hand. Hitter. And he right. no hitter, though, and he gets it. Okay, that's it. That's it. All right. So your audio this week, we're going to talk. Um, are you going to talk? We're going to listen to uh, the guys on first take break down Aaron Judge, and the potential about uh, him breaking a home run record. Uh, we're going to hear a little bit from Josh Donaldson on his struggles right now. And uh, we're going to do something a little bit different, whereas we're going to introduce kind of a new segment, which is kind of like a This Week in History. I know a lot of shows do it, but, uh, you know, Dylan's younger. I'm a little older. This is way before my time even. And maybe we'll have him do one one week too. But this week's going to be a, a little bio on Larry Doby, the first uh, black or African-American player in the American League. So you're going to hear a little bit about that. But let's get to the breaking news first. Dylan, we had some roster moves today. And... It's funny that the Yankees trade Manny Benuelos to the Pirates for cash. 
and Manny Benuelos pitched against us last night for the Pirates, and we lit him up. So uh, did us a favor. Yeah, either he's trying to get DFA'd so the Yankees can bring him back, like they tend to do from time to time, or uh, you know we 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 were right for letting him go. Also, Rob Marin, how do you say his last name? Don't Rob Marinaccio. Marinaccio is on the 15-day IL with what they're calling a dead arm which is pretty scary to think of just basically arm fatigue. He didn't hurt himself. It wasn't an injury. He's just basically got a tired arm. So he's going to be out 15 days. Um, Johnny Lasagna is going to join the team here up in Boston. They are heading to Boston or should be there right now for four game set. And he will join the team at some point over the next couple of games. And uh, recent news, not technically on the injured list, but Rizzo has missed the last two games and has already been announced that he will not play tonight with back problems and might not play tomorrow. They're saying they're optimistic for him to play at least two of the games in the Boston series. So Rizzo dealing with some back stuff too. Um, we're going to get to the last couple of series recaps real quick, and then we'll talk about all of it. So the series recap against the Astros, it's a series. I don't know why one game is considered a series, even though they're essentially making up three games, playing one game now, and then they're going to play a doubleheader later on to make up the first week of the season that we missed. Uh, but they lose to the Astros 1-2, which actually breaks their streak of losing series, um, gives them another loss as the series is concerned. They lose the game 1-2. Um, we go to the Guardians where they win that series 13-4. They win 6-1 and lose the final game 0-2. And the two games set against the Pirates couldn't be more different. They drop game one to a Pirates um, and remind me, Dylan, to come back to the rather large fellow on the Pirates. I forget his name. Um, Daniel Vogelback. That's my guy. We're going to come back to him in a minute. Um, that's my new favorite player in the National League. But yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, we crushed the Pirates last night 16 to nothing. So that's the uh, bookkeeping. Let's get down to some basic stuff. Uh, Dylan, any thoughts on the Astro series or the one game, I should say? Uh, not really. It gives us like a future look in because it's probably going to be the ALCS most likely. Um, and uh, it, it kind of excites me to see what both teams do in the uh, They're good. The Astros are good. The trade deadline. Yes. Yeah, if anything, and we're going to talk about that. I want to save the trade stuff till next week, but we're definitely going to break that down as we get next week, as we get closer to the all-star break here. The Yankees officially started their second half season last night, actually, where they are over the 50% mark. So, um, yeah, the Astros are good. We know they're going to be good. We know we're going to be battling them right down to the wire. It's probably going to be a, you know, a God willing, knock on wood, an ALCS uh, matchup. And uh, they're good. We know what we're going to get. So a lot of things can happen between now and then injuries and stuff, though. So as it seems right now, uh, it would be a heck of a series. So uh, both teams have played tough and a one nothing, one to two loss is nothing. I'm, I'm not too worried about that, though. The Guardians. Um, it's funny because, you know, we're talking about or we're going to talk about Larry Doby. And while we were playing the Guardians, they released a statue of him out front of the stadium. Mm-hmm. His son was there. So it's pretty cool. Um, I don't know. I can't get used to the Guardians new uniforms. It bothers me, though. And I don't know why. It's not really that different. It's just I different know, like I know. font. You know what bothers me more than anything? Yes. Is the font, the hat, the C on the hat with the new yeah. font. I don't know why. If they were going to do a transition, they didn't just leave the font exactly the same and just change the name because it really wouldn't have been that different. You could have kept yeah. the C on the cap and you could have kept the Indian script logo and just made it Guardians. I don't know why they had to change the font. I think they would have been better off just leaving it, even if it was for a year or two and then change it to get people used to the Guardians. I don't mind the name. The name is fine. I just I don't know. It just it looks it looks very um, softballish when I look at it on the field. I don't know. It is what it is. The Guardians are not a very good team. Um, I know they hit a lot, and I know they're doing well in that division, but I think that has a lot to do with that division. 
quite frankly. So um, I'm not really worried about the Guardians. We took care of business through that. And then the Pirates, it's fun. I was looking forward to this series just because that ballpark is beautiful. It's spectacular. Mm -hmm. It's a gorgeous ballpark. And it's just a team that we haven't played a lot over the years, obviously, with interleague play. And I'm just happy to see us play a, a game in that beautiful stadium. And it's one that I've got to get to. But um, in the history of the Pirates being an older franchise, like I just I like those matchups. We play the Cubs, the Pirates, even the Reds and the stuff like that. I'll, I'll be I'll get a little bit more up for those series. And that's why I think I'm looking even more forward to next year's unbalanced schedule, because you know what? As much as I like playing Baltimore and Toronto, I don't need to play them 20 times a year. I really don't. I'd enjoy, you know, a six game set against, you know, whatever the Diamondbacks or whoever it might be. The Padres. Just, yeah, the anything. Padres. Yeah, just mix it up a little bit. I think it's fun. So uh, as far as the Pirates are concerned, uh, nothing on the Guardians series, though? Anything? Mm, not really. It's kind of yeah. just. Yeah. Nothing it's, special. It, isn't it funny? It's kind of where like we're in that mode now where it's like we're almost whole home. Like oh, another series win. It's fine. Yeah. We just move on. You know, obviously, four game set against the Red Sox tonight. We'll talk about that. That has a little more juice, obviously. Yeah, it's a little more important. Yeah, for sure. But the Pirates was fun. Um, What's his name again? What's my boy's name? Vogelback. Vogelback, Vogelback. hit a bomb. And he must have heard me because I was giving him shit through the TV right before he stepped into the box. I said, who is this fat bastard? <laughs> look, at, look at this My dad guy. was like, who, who did he oh, uh, oh, my God. And two seconds later, he tattoos one. I mean, not just tattoos one. Up, uppercut swing that was, I mean, I thought this was going to leave the park. He plastered yeah, it one. Like, it was in like Ooh. the second to last row. Glorious shot, in the man, river. I tell you. And I mean, he looks like a, a third baseman on a beer league team. He's He's that big. But listen, I remember him vaguely with the, was it the Blue Jays maybe? No, or the Mariners. Else? No, Mariners, that was it. But I, I could have sworn I see him in a Toronto uniform. I don't understand, and CC had this right. CC was a portly fellow, let's just say, right? Let's be politically correct. Mm -hmm. But CC wore a baggy jersey, right? He wore, he wore a loose jersey. He was always pulling at the front of his jersey when he went back there because it was a big baggy jersey because he was a big guy. This guy's got a tight jersey on. He's running around the bases and the, the fat's just bouncing all around. I love it, man. This guy's my favorite. This guy's my new favorite non-Yankee player that I'm going to be watching. Him and O'Neill Cruz on that team. He's a giant playing shortstop. Like, I don't know what's going on in Pittsburgh, but I really like this team. They're a fun team to watch. So if I had to root for a team in the National League, it might be the uh, Pirates. Plus, I mean, all we, right. we, we we plastered them pretty good last night. So <laughs> I sent you a clip. I don't know if you saw it yet of the broadcaster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Once Giancarlo Stanton hit the home run, I think he says something like, this is unfreaking believable. <laughs> it, it, it's enough. It, the team Yankees are pretty nasty when they get going in the right direction. So any thoughts said, on this the, is ridiculous, ridiculous. Any thoughts on the uh, two game pirate series, sir? Uh, Italian did not look very good and he hasn't yes. been looking very good the past couple of starts. Like he's got like a 5.6 ERA or something like that in the last five starts he had. And that was his homecoming too. You know, yeah. the ex pirate going back home. And, um, you know, there's it. Listen, we knew the, we knew the lineup, the starting rotation wasn't going to go the whole year like this. They're going to have some struggles and hopefully they can figure stuff out. And you got to remember, you know, we go into Pittsburgh and, you know, it's it's like the Beatles come into town. Every team is going to get up for the Yankees coming to town. You heard the stadium was half Yankee fans. So, mm -hmm. I mean, you're going to get every other team's best. That's just what's going to happen. So I think we need to get used to the fact that some of these teams are going to catch us by surprise. There's going to be some teams that we sleep on that, you know, do well against us. It's just the way it is, I think. So, um, I mean, the Pirates are not a very good team, let's just be honest. So, I mean, they've got a bunch of kids that are – Probably not ready to be at the major league level. A lot of AAA guys playing. Uh, they clearly don't have a first baseman. 
Um, they just, you know, I look at other teams sometimes and I think we get spoiled being Yankee, being Yankee fans. Cause even in our quote unquote down years, we still make the playoffs. We still have all-stars on the field. We still have a lot of players to watch. Think about if you're like a Pirates fan or, or a Reds fan or even a Cubs fan at this point. It's like you're not even fielding, you know, a professional team, essentially. You know, you're playing just kids, just seeing what's going on. So, I don't know. We should be happy. But the Yankees are rolling, though, and they're still playing well. Um, we lost a couple games, so we lost technically a back-to-back game. Um, eh, concerns, anything, Dylan? Or I know concerns about a few players, but, you know, any concerns overall? Uh, not really. I think, uh, I don't know, even though that I feel like some of the players are kind of like underperforming, we're still getting the job done. Yeah. So it's not really that much of a concern. Yeah, we're, we're going to talk about that. Actually, it's our next topic here, kind of in a way. Um, I wanted to bring up the fact that, you know, now that we've had a half of a year to digest this. Um, I wanted to get your opinion. Are you still okay with the Gio Urshela and Sanchez trade to the Twins for uh, Donaldson and IKF? Do you still think that was a good deal for the Yankees? Uh, I do. And I do because two reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the catching situation now where we got Trevino, which wasn't even involved in the deal, but Trevino has right. been 10 times the player Sanchez has been for us. I'm, I, yeah, I'm, I'm only including that. Let's Let's just say that that's the same deal because essentially it was why we did it. If we didn't, the kid we got, the Ben Roadverd or whatever, if he didn't get hurt, we wouldn't went out and got Trevino. So, yes, go ahead. I'm sorry to mean to interrupt you, but. No, that's all right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Gio Urshela is still having a pretty good year. I don't know exactly what his numbers are, but I see some highlights from him all the time, either uh, in the field or batting. So, I mean, and then Josh Donaldson, you know, he's been underperforming, but he's getting hot kind of late. Uh, the game I went to, he hit, I think, two good hits, knocked in some runs. Yeah, so that's what I really remember of Josh Donaldson. Um, and then IKF, you know, he's kind of hit or miss. He was struggling for a little bit, then he got hot, and he was struggling. Now he's kind of getting back hot. I think he has three game, three hits in the last two games or something like that. But uh, yeah, that's that's what I think. I think it's still good. It's funny because uh, the guys that I wanted to rip, I was telling them before we started recording, are all guys who performed well, which were Hicks, Donaldson, and. Um... Who's the, and Gallo, and they all hit home runs, and Hicks hit a grand slam last night. So um, I, here, here's what I will tell you, um, and I was trying to look up Gio's or Sella's stats. I got right I got his stuff right here. Okay. Um, go ahead. It. He's batting 266, eight home so, runs, yeah. 35 RBIs. And probably I we're not we don't see it, but probably his usual great defense. So that's yeah. not bad. I mean, that's honestly, that's comparable numbers to what Donaldson's doing. Mm-hmm. Actually, he's got probably got a better batting average rate than Donaldson. And, you know, the home runs, I think Donaldson has maybe, is it 11, I want to say, maybe? Maybe nine, something like that. I don't know. I guess we can look up Josh Donaldson, too. But, I mean, I have, listen. I have I, Gary Sanchez's stats, too, if you want to hear him. Go ahead. Go for it. It's been 219, nine home runs, 34 RBIs, and one stolen base. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, it, it, it's weird because you have to look at it this way. You have to look at this trade as almost like the intangibles trade. It got rid of Gary Sanchez. And Gary Sanchez, let's forget about the numbers. He was a problem for us overall. When you have starting pitchers that don't want to pitch to him, that's a problem. So you can probably equate just him leaving as a plus. You know what I mean? So even if you're not getting the stats, nobody expected us. Me and you talked about it. If we got nothing from our catchers but defense, uh, we'd be happy with that. You know, if we if we combine both of those catchers and gave us Gary Sanchez offensive numbers, we'd be more than happy with that. But I think you have to look at the deal as 
Donaldson seems to bring a little bit of an edge to the team that the Yankees seem to like. Um, the strikes, defense? Yeah, he's been solid defensively. I have to give him that, too. He's been very solid defensively. Um, he makes all the throws, although they, they sit him quite a bit against righties, man. You know, he does not play very often. So he's a starter that is almost a platoon player. I mean, I know he's playing more than 50-50, but he's sitting quite a quite a bit against certain players. Um, I don't know. I mean, he's offensively, if you're just looking at straight offensive numbers, it hasn't been great. But again, it's intangible things. It's just the intangibles. And he seems to be, I saw, I was watching him in the clubhouse after he had his home run last night, and he made a special trip to go find Judge and do a special little handshake jump type thing. So, and the team seems to love him. They seem to get a little bit of an edge and he doesn't really care. You know, I, I, other teams have chirped at him and stuff and he just doesn't seem to care. So he seems to bring a little bit of an edge that the Yankees uh, desperately needed a little less professionalism, maybe a little bit of a goonish, if, if that makes sense, a little bit of a goon. And I think you kind of need a couple of those on every team. So I agree with you. Hang on one second. No, <laughs> excuse me. Um, all right. So let's see what else we got to talk. All right. Is Aaron Judge going to break the home run record? Then what do you think? He's sitting at 30 last night. He got his 30th of the year. We're about exactly at the halfway point. Um, is he going to break the real home run record, the Barry Bonds record, or is he possibly going to break what a lot of Yankee fans still consider the home run record, the 61 of Roger Maris? What do you think? I say he's not going to. Okay, why? He's definitely not. He's definitely not going to break the Barry Bonds home run record. I agree, by the way. that's just ahead. insane. Yes. But um, I still think 60 is going to be hard for him because we're at over the halfway and he's got 30. So, I mean, if he had the exact same amount. He'd he'd fall just a couple short if he had the exact same thing. Here's uh, what I think is going to hit Judge. He's going to have – they're going to have to rest him. Like, I know he wants to play every day, and I know it's a contract year, and I know they have to pull teeth just to get him to rest now. But, I mean, if we're 15, 17 games up in the dog days, last month of the season, he's going to get days off. He's going to have to just deal with it. They're going to have to sit him, and that's just the way it's going to be. He's going to play in the All-Star game, which means he's not going to get a break over the All-Star break. He's going to go straight from, you know, this season where he's played. I think he's only, what, four or five games he set out this year? So he's going to go from that straight to the all-star break all the way out in California and then have to fly back to wherever we are. I think we, who do we open with? I saw it. We open with somebody, I think, is it Boston right after? I think we open with Boston at the stadium right after the all-star break too. So, I mean, that's going to be a lot. And um, yeah, there, you know, there's going to be an IL stint in his future. Like it's going to be one of those fake IL stints where something's like just bothering him a little bit and they give him two weeks just to give him a break. I can see that happen in very, uh, you know, August, end of July, beginning of August. We hear that he's down for two weeks with a quote unquote, like, you know, a hammy that's barking or something like that. So, yeah, I agree. I don't think it'll happen. Um, listen, uh, the home run record is the home run record. Yankee fans can say 61 is the record, but it's not. You know, there's different records in the books. It is what it is. And I agree. I don't think anyone ever breaks that other home run, the Bonds home run no. record. I don't think anybody ever, ever gets 70. I don't think that's going to happen. So I think 61 is an outside shot for judge. I really do. And I think if he was close coming into the last month of the season, they let him go for it just because he'd probably want to go for it. Um, I mean, my God, think about the contract situation at the end of the year. He has a massive year. He breaks Roger Maris's home run record and the Yankees win the world series. I mean, you might have to pay him a billion dollars. Like, I don't. Yeah. Uh, did you hear the uh, audio from Hal Steinberg that's floating around? 
I heard bits and pieces of it. Yeah. So, I mean, he basically, they asked him, you know, do you think this is going to cost you money? Like, is he going to get, is he going to get more money than what you guys offered? And I was like, maybe I don't, that this is what I don't understand about people. Like, do you think the Yankees are going to run out of money? No. Like, like we're the most valuable sports franchise on the planet earth. We can pay anything we want. Money is not going to be a problem. It's going to be a matter not of the years. If they want to, if they want him around and if he insists on X amount of years, you know, 10 years or something like that, I think the Yankees will say no. But if it's a matter of, you know, seven years versus eight, they're going to give him the eight and they're going to give him whatever money he wants. That's it. It'll be all rolled into a big thing. They'll announce a new contract. They'll name him captain. You know, they'll, they'll upgrade the judges chambers out there and it'll be, everybody will be happy. And then, you know what? He'll start next year on the injured list. That's just the way it is. That's the way life happens. All right. So uh, as we in the halfway part of the season, I thought it'd be cool to go around real quick, not full breakdown, but just give a letter grade to each segment of the Yankees so far, outfield, infield, starters, bullpen, and bench. So me and Dylan will go uh, first and last. I'll go first and he'll go first. Um, letter grade for the outfield. I will go first and I will give the outfield an A minus. Um, I think. Stanton has been solid, even with his, you know, moments where he where he gets a little bit streaky. His defense has been great, better than expected. Judge has played an all-star center field. He is the Yankees. He's quietly just become the Yankees center fielder. And the other position, defensively with Gallo, um, you don't miss anything defensively for the most part. I know he had a few plays. Uh, offensively, you lose a little bit. But overall, if you include Hicks in that mix right there and you look at their offensive numbers against anybody – it's incredible. So I have to give him a solid A minus for outfield. Dylan, what do you think? I was going to give him a B because, like, okay. like you said, two of them are outstanding and yes. two of them are below average. So. Yeah, I think the other two are just so good. It just makes up for for the you know the other two. Um, yeah. listen, the rumor is you know the rumors that I'm hearing is that you know Gallo could be moved as we get close to the trade deadline. Somebody might want him. They might want to get him out of New York. Um, I know there's different possibilities out there. They'd have to bring in another guy. Um, I don't know who that would be. Um, I don't know if it would mess up the chemistry. The clubhouse seems to love Gallo. He hit the home run last night, and the guys on the bench are happier than he is for it. They love him. So I do worry about a little bit about that messing up chemistry. But this guy, he he just keeps striking out on that high fastball. I just don't understand yeah. it. Like, he can't hit it. He just can't hit it. And it seems like I know to me and you, you know, hitting a baseball has got to be incredibly difficult. But when I look at it, I'm like, dude, it's a fastball right there. Like he just can't catch up with it. And to me, there's nothing you can do about that. If you can't hit a fastball, you can't hit a fastball. There's nothing you can do. So I don't know. Anyway. All right. Let's go around Dylan. You take the infield. What do you give grade for the infield? I'm going to say the infield gets uh, a B as well. I think LeMahieu has been great. I think the defense in general has been amazing. Oh, he changed. We're in a fireplace setting now. <laughs> you don't see this at home. And eventually, guys, I did listen. We are thinking about the video. I'm toying with some different things, but I just changed our Zoom background. We're now me and Dylan are sitting in front of a, a cozy fire. But go ahead. I'm sorry. You were saying infield uh, B? Yeah, I'd say because LeMahieu has been good. Like, he mm -hmm. hasn't been the past LeMahieu, like the amazing one. But we, we kind of knew that was going to be hard to get. And he comes through in most situations, clutch hitter. Uh, and then second base Torres has been showing signs that he's back to like 2018 Glaber. So that's pretty good. Defense is he's made some good plays out there at second. Excellent plays at second. Yeah. So uh there's that. And then Rizzo, you know, he's not hitting for average, but he's hitting those home runs and he's got RBIs. 
solid defensive solid defense yeah. just in general the infield has great defense yeah um and they got ikf i think we already kind of went over yes and then donaldson we kind of already went over and then we got the catcher you know trevino has been just amazing he makes the pitchers better than they are with his framing and everything it's just it's it's solid maybe yeah. i might move it up i might move it up to an a minus yeah, I, I think you might have been right with the B. I just – the only thing, again, if you're including offense and def- – defensively, they've been solid all around the board. All around the diamond, I don't have any complaints defensively. Offensively, you could look at IKF and say um, he's been a little underperforming as far as offense. I know he gets some big hits from time to time. Still doesn't have a home run this year. Uh, not that he was going to put up a ton. Um, and Donaldson has been very hit or miss uh, offensively, although he's been coming on lately, there has been some streaks where he's, he's been kind of cold too. So I think you were right there with a B. Um, all right. The starters still, where better. do you go with starters? I'll, I'll, you have to go as far as the starters are concerned. I would say an A minus as well. I know they've been a couple of them have been struggling lately, but for the, for as a whole, the first half of the season, Incredible. I mean, it's, it's one of the best rotations in baseball. I mean, hands down what you're getting out of Nestor. Uh, Seve looked unbelievable last night as fire. I mean, we said this in the beginning of the year. If Seve is back all the way from injury, just him and Cole at the, at the front of that lineup makes you incredibly difficult in the playoffs to beat when you're only going to really use three starters. So I would give him a, an A minus. What about you? I, I would have to agree. Like, like we said, it's, it's just incredible what they've been able to do. And then, like, the mix-up of guys, we got Seve and Cole who throw gas. They throw straight fire. And then we got a guy in there like like Nestor, the crazy cutter. You know, it's just, I don't know. It's a great group of guys. They have their days where they're not so good. But in all, I think they've been doing a great job. This season. You, know what I, you know what I like more than anything is they're very fearless this year. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're going right at guys. Whereas last year when they got in trouble or there were situations, you could see they got scared away from their pitches. They, this year they're like, eh, what the hell we're going, we're going right with the fastball. We're going to go right at you. And if you hit it out of the ballpark, you do. And that's it. Sevy last night, there was a couple of times he was in three Oh counts. And instead of giving in or playing around, he just, I'm just going right after you. And he got, you know, and he, and I love that fire this year with him. So yeah, I would definitely agree. All right. Um, bullpen, bullpen. You can go first on the bullpen. Uh, Bullpen started off really good. Now it's looking a little more average. Um, but I'd I'd say I'd say B. Um, some guys got injured. We've had some great stories like um, Clay Holmes turned into an elite bullpen guy. Um, Chapman has looked awful. That's that's to be expected, though. I think everyone pretty much expected that. Johnny Lasagna got hurt. Oh, we're back into the office now. <laughs> Pay no attention, guys. I'm changing the backgrounds on Dylan, trying to see if he can stay focused. Um, Clark Schmidt has looked good. Marinaccio has been solid. JP Sears, you know, I, I think Green right. got hurt, but I think I think that's the story of this bullpen thus far this year is the guys that we discovered. Mm-hmm. The Ron Marinaccio, the Clay Holmes, not that we just discovered him, but the roles that these guys have taken the JP Sears and even, um, you know, Peralta and some of these other guys stepping up with the injuries and just performing solid. Uh, I'll give him a solid B plus. 
Um, there has been some times where they've where they've faded a little bit, but these aren't necessarily the guys that we thought were going to be there. Lasagna missed a ton of time. Green out for the year. Um, Chapman's been out for a while, even though he's back now. So um, I think uh, a solid B is good. So, all right, let's see bench here. We got to pick it up a little bit. We're at the ten minute mark. Uh, bench. I'm gonna go and say I give the bench a C plus B minus maybe. Because we're really talking about a small bench. We're talking about Matt Carpenter, really. Um, and then, like, the outfield rotating Hicks, and, you know, that's it. But we're really talking about Matt Carpenter. I talked to you about this a couple of weeks ago. I don't want to go into it too much. But um, I think we need to pull the trigger on uh, letting Matt, Matty Ice go and get LeCastro back up here. I think we need a better um, option off the bench as far as speed is concerned. And I don't necessarily think we need um, his – I know he can play a couple different positions. He just doesn't play – any of them super, yeah, I know, but he doesn't play any of them super, super above average. He just plays them average. I don't know. I don't know. I get a bad vibe from him. I don't know. Dylan, what do you think about our bench? Um, or lack thereof. I guess you could say Heggie's been our bench catcher, right? Yeah, yeah, I guess pretty so, much. Yeah. yeah, and he's not doing very good. He had a home run last night, but it's not nothing special from his year. No, nope, and then, nope. then we got Carpenter, who's been an amazing pinch hitter. <laughs> And yep. a fill-in guy. And then uh, Marwin Gonzalez has picked it up. Yeah, you're right. I, I don't give Gonzalez enough love. He's a guy that can play everywhere. He's been solid. So if you had to grade it, would you give it as a grade? I'm going to say a B minus. Okay. B minus. Okay. Uh, and I kind of feel bad because, like you said, we don't have any spots that are going to be there. So we're going to have to mix it up here. And I think LaCastro does bring more to the table than Matt Carpenter. I think he's a better weapon, yes. I think we got enough guys that can hit home runs. I do like a bat off the bench, but um, I think a bat off the bench that can get you a base hit is just as valuable. And I like uh, the fact of having that speed. All right, we're running out of time, so we got to speed through some of this stuff here. That's your grades for um, – What did you get the bench? Uh, I did B B plus C minus maybe I think just because it's so small. Um, I'm not upset about it. I I I'm okay with the bench the way it is right now. I like it I does said, its I, job. Yes, but I want I want LeCastro back. I want I want that speed back. I love the, the way we deployed him earlier in the year. All right, so real quick, I want you guys to pay attention to Larry Doby. Um, listen to the the bio that's in the audio feed that'll come up after us here. Um, very important to know this guy was uh, three months after Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier, and I don't think he gets enough love as far as the stuff he had to go through. Um, so pay attention to that. Uh, listen to the audio. If you don't know anything about him, I think it's interesting. And please remember, Yankees um, were one of the last teams to have an African-American on their player, uh, on their roster, um, Elston Howard. That did not happen until much, much later. So uh, wasn't all these teams that jumped right on board after Jackie Robinson and started putting people in. Um, I'm going to skip the, the the baby bomber report and just tell you that um, Austin Wells has been promoted from the Renegades up to the Somerset Patriots. Um, and the rest of the guys, Dominguez, Avolpe, and Florio are all having really good weeks. So, Dylan, it's your time, sir. What's bothering you this week? All right. So, what's bothering me this week? That's a good question. Uh, well. We're going back to bagels again. Oh, boy. Oh, okay. boy. Here we go. So, uh, Thomas, uh, they make English muffins yes, and bagels yes. and stuff. Uh, I got their everything bagels this, okay. this past week, right? And I always knew I didn't like them. 
but I forgot why. They put okay. sunflower seeds in, in like the dough of the bagels. Uh, and it, it doesn't belong there. Like it doesn't is it need sunflower that. seeds or is it poppy seeds? No, it's sunflower seeds. Like really? you open up the bagel and there's like sunflower seeds in like wow. the, the ring. In the actual mixture. Wow. Yeah, I hate wow. that. Get that out of there. Why do they do that? I don't know. Probably <laughs> to add protein, so I can say like, oh, it's got five grams of protein. You know. Oh, yeah, I agree. I agree. I haven't Bothers thought about me. it. I agree. Well, listen, that's what the segment's for. What's bothering you? And that's exactly. bothering you. Fair enough. Now I got to eat them. There's like five left. I don't want to eat them. <laughs> now you got no choice. <laughs> I'm going to have to pick them out with a knife. <laughs> That'll be next week's episode. We'll send video of you picking out. All right. All right. So let's get to the mailbag real quick here. We got about five minutes left to go. Cosmo 1996. I love last week's show. Um, and was laughing out loud when Dylan was behind what Rich was watching. You guys off the normal format was great. Just talking Yankees. Keep it up. We talked a little bit about that earlier. We're going to try to keep the uh, stats stuff to a minimum and give you more of just opinion stuff. So hopefully we, uh, we did that this week. And Cosmo, thank you for listening to the show. Uh, if anybody has any comments for us, it's richcoryanks at gmail.com and all the socials, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, all that good stuff. Complaint department this week is from Terrence, 8527. Um, why do you guys give us info we can clearly get instantly on our phones? You're wasting time regurgitating fact. This I'm just quoting what he wrote, that at the time you record are days old. Guys, we've been over this before. This is not a breaking news segment. Clearly, you guys can get this information or have had this information by the time we come to air, whenever we decide to record. We're talking about the topics, Terrence. That's the point of the show is to give you our opinions on what happened. So, yes, we do regurgitate a little bit of topics because it's a show about the Yankees. And we need to let people know what we're referring to about the Yankees. We can't just come on here and start blabbering like a couple of drunk guys at the barbershop. If you want that, you can go to the barbershop and get that. That's not a problem. It's it's very entertaining. Like coming Dylan, to America. Dylan, yes. Dylan's dad has a barbershop. We can give you the address if you're in New York and you want to go. But um, the show, Terrence, is us reacting to these things. And we kind of have to set the table and have a little bit of structure. Otherwise, it's really just two guys shooting the shit. So we do try to keep it a little bit formatted. But ultimately, once you get past uh, you know, us discussing or throwing out topics, it really is just us bullshitting about the Yankees. So um, I appreciate your feedback. and uh, Good criticism. Maybe, yes, hopefully this uh, new format works for you, Terrence. So with three minutes left to go, Dylan, let's preview very quickly this Red Sox series. The Red Sox currently sitting, what, 14 games behind us, tied with the Rays. Um, what do we think about this series coming up? Four games in Fenway. Uh, it's important, uh, but not as important as the series coming up at the stadium with them. So I looked what? at the schedule, and yeah. you said that we were going to go there after the All-Star game. We do, gonna, right? We're going there right before. So we play Boston at Fenway okay. for four games. Okay. We have a day off. Then we play okay. Cincinnati at the stadium for three games and then okay. Boston at the stadium for three oh, games. Oh, okay. So it's before we go to the break. Okay. Yeah. I knew we had them either before or right after. So. And then it's the All-Star game. Ah, so to, and it's a three-game set before we go to the All-Star break? Yes. Wow. So, I mean, essentially, we have seven games with Boston here in the next 11 days. Um, that could, they, they have a chance to really make some headway or really – we can throw some dirt on them, essentially. Yeah, yeah, we really can. You have you have an opportunity to, as I'm looking at the standings, 14 games out right now, tied with the Rays. The Rays starting to win a few games too. Uh, Rays 14 out, the Blue Jays 14 and a half, and Baltimore only 20 out. 
I mean, Baltimore's sneaky, ooh, scrappy team this year. They really are. They're not the pushovers that they were um, a couple years ago. Tough, tough division. Tough division, man. I know uh, what they say. Uh, the Dodgers manager said the NL East is a tougher division. He's out of his mind. No, the NL what? They said NL, NL, West, NL West. NL West. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's insane. That's yeah. insane. They have uh, three. They have three good teams. That's three. It. Yes, we have four, yeah. possibly five. Yeah. Uh, with two minutes left to go, I just wanted to real quick say. Um, Thank you so much, guys. The response to the show has been super overwhelming. We're doing really, really well. I joked earlier in the show about, uh, you know, we're ranked number four in some Middle East site. That was technically the truth. Um, I don't know that the site is from the Middle East or anything. <laughs> Me and Dylan joked about it. But uh, we did, you know, we are climbing up the charts on some charts as far as uh, baseball podcasts and uh, sports podcasts in general. And that's we have not that the, listener from yeah, Bahrain. We have or the whatever. one, Barant, that's what it was. But uh, that's not the, the goal. The goal isn't to be super famous. The goal is just to have fun and do it and hopefully we make you guys smile and laugh a little bit while we do it. We are diehard Yankee fans. It's good to have uh, fans listening. It's good that we're having a good time now because if we do start to lose, you'll definitely see a different type of show from me and Dylan for sure. Me, especially Dylan mm -hmm. might be a little more solid than I am, but we'll definitely get a different thing. But I just wanted to thank everybody at time of recording this on a Thursday afternoon. Um, our numbers have hit, uh, let's see, we're at 27, we're at, we're at 27,500, which is crazy to think that, uh, you know, we are just hoping to get 20 at one point. So, all right, we're running out of time. Guys, thank you. Uh, we'll be back next week with some more Yankee news. Hopefully it's some uh, positive Yankee news over the Red Sox. And we will talk to you next week. Go Yanks. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Cannonball! On April the 15th, 1947, in Brooklyn, New York, the great Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier and became the first African American in 67 years to play in the major leagues. Yes, Robinson was not the first, as is often stated. You can see our video, the real first black man to play in the major leagues, which is linked to below. Less than three months later, on July the 5th, 1947, in Cleveland, Ohio, Larry Doby became the second player to break the color barrier and the first on an American League team. Although history tends to forget Doby's much less hyped debut and subsequent stellar performance, his life, career, and path to the majors were just as interesting and courageous as Robinson's. As Dave Anderson wrote in a 1987 New York Times article, in glorifying those who are first, the second is often forgotten. Larry Doby integrated all those American League ballparks where Jackie Robinson never appeared. And he did it with class and clout. Records point to Larry Doby being the grandson of Burrell Doby, a South Carolina native who was born into slavery in 1852. There are a few other records, if any at all, of Burrell Doby until the U.S. Census of 1880, where he appears as a free man and a sharecropper in a town near Camden. It was around this time when he and his wife gave birth to David Doby, Larry's father. Through David's childhood, the Dobies were one of the more successful black families in the region. As a teen, David worked as a stable hand and later joined the army to fight in World War I, serving for five months before being honorably discharged. 
After the war, David again groomed horses, but in his free time, he took up another hobby, playing baseball. He was good, too, playing semi-pro ball, and according to Richard DeBose, who was involved in black baseball for over half a century, David was the greatest hitter I ever saw. David met Etta Brooks, his soon-to-be wife and mother to Larry, through baseball as well. David, walking through town, spotted Etta, smacking a home run in a game on the street in front of her parents' house. Lawrence Labby Doby was born on December 13, 1923, in Camden, South Carolina, at Etta's mother's, known as Miss Gooster's house. Given the nickname Bubba, Larry lived with his grandmother when his parents separated. He still saw both parents, but that changed when Bubba was eight. In 1931, David Doby drowned when he fell out of a fishing boat. The rough few years continued when Bubba was forced to move in with an aunt and uncle when Miss Gooster fell ill. He eventually moved with his mother to Patterson, New Jersey, where he began to excel at sports. At Patterson East Side High, Larry, shedding his childhood nickname, was a three-sport star in football, basketball, and baseball. At his school, there were only a few black students, and he had just one as a teammate in basketball. While he was in high school, Doby was known as a hard worker, mild-mannered, and quiet. He was also a star, helping the school win multiple state championships, including one in football Larry played wide receiver. Upon winning, the team was invited to play a game in Florida, but the tournament hosts told them that Larry could not play due to his being black. The team, in a show of support, they refused to play the match. During the summers, Larry played semi-pro baseball and basketball, thriving in the former. He was an unpaid substitute in basketball for the Harlem Renaissance. He graduated and earned an athletic scholarship at Long Island University to play basketball under legendary coach Claire B. He never played college baseball because the famed Newark Eagles of the Negro League signed him to play for $300, about $4,200 today in 1942. Attempting to preserve his amateur status and keep his future options open, he played under a fake name, Larry Walker. With the country at war, Larry joined the U.S. Navy in 1943 and was assigned to be a physical education instructor. He bounced around stateside before being sent overseas to the Pacific island of Ulithi. He loved baseball, but saw more of a financially secure future as a teacher or coach, so he planned to pursue that after the war. However, when in October of 1945, Jackie Robinson signed a contract with the Montreal Royals of the International League, it became more plausible that Larry could earn good money, major league money, playing pro ball. Said Larry years later, Growing up in a segregated society, you couldn't have thought that that was the way it was going to be. There was no bright spot as far as looking at baseball until Mr. Robinson got the opportunity to play in Montreal in 46. He was honorably discharged from the Navy in January of 1946 and went back to play for the Newark Eagles. There, he was again the star, along with future Hall of Famer Monty Irvin, on the team that won the Negro League World Series. Plus, at only 23, he was young, a good six years younger than Jackie Robinson. It was no surprise to anyone that he was the top candidate to be the second black man in that era to get a shot at the majors. Major League Baseball was ready for change, especially since former baseball commissioner Kennesaw Mountain Landis had died in 1944. Mean, bullying, and an Abashedly racist, not to mention sexist, banning the 17-year-old Vernon Bittress, Jackie Mitchell, from the major and minor leagues, voiding her contract in the process after she struck out Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig back-to-back -back in just six total pitches, Landis was a most ardent opponent to integration, and as commissioner, he was the boss. So when he died and Happy Chandler took over as the commissioner, things could only get better. Even though Chandler was a southerner, he was a former Kentucky senator, he was relatively progressive. Chandler approved Robinson's contract in 1947 and explained that Robinson's service to his country in the war was enough for him. To quote him, if a black boy could make it on Okinawa and Guadalcanal, he could make it in baseball. I don't believe in barring Negroes from baseball just because they are Negroes. 
Chandler would go on to be the governor of Kentucky in the late 1950s, where he forced the public schools there to integrate. Bill Feig, the unique owner of the Cleveland Indians, had proposed integrating baseball in 1942, but was quickly turned down by Landis. After Robinson's opening day with the Dodgers, Veig acted quickly. He intensely scouted the Negro Leagues, and between Doby's skill set, temperament, and youth, he knew who he was going to sign. Veek's strategy was different than Branch Rickey's, the man who signed Robinson for the Dodgers, though. He didn't want Doby to play in the minors, but rather to start right away in the majors, which was no small task. He also insisted on paying for Doby's rides from the Newark Eagles $10,000, about $102,000 today, plus an extra $5,000 when he remained in the majors for a month. Rickey never paid Robinson's former team a dime. On July 3, 1947, Veek signed Larry Doby to a contract, but allowed him to play one more game with the Newark Eagles where he hit a home run before taking the train to Cleveland. On July 5, 1947, Larry Doby joined his new team, and just like has happened to Robinson, the reception wasn't great. Several new teammates, including reportedly Hall of Fame pitcher Bob Feller, turned their back on him and refused to shake his hand. Doby stated of meeting his new teammates, I walked down that line, stuck out my hands, and very few hands came back in return. Most of the ones that did were cold fish handshakes, along with a look that said, You don't belong here. It wasn't until second baseman Joe Gordon tossed Doby a ball and asked him to play catch that the tension subsided somewhat and he was allowed to take part in warm-ups. Gordon would go on to be Doby's best friend on the team for years to come. Doby didn't start that game. In fact, he would start only one game all season, but he did get to pinch hits the first time striking out. His performance that season was not good, no doubt hurt by a lack of playing time, being asked to play a new position he'd never played before, being put directly in the majors, and of course, all the while, death threats were raining down. He was also somewhat segregated from his teammates, generally not even allowed to stay at the same hotel as the team. In the end, he batted just 156 with a 182 on base percentage and a 188 slugging in his extremely limited playing time. Despite calls from the media and some in the community for Doby to be removed from the team, both he and Veek paid little attention. That season, Jackie Robinson and Doby also frequently spoke on the telephone to help keep each other's spirits up. When the season ended, Doby found other ways to spend his time rather than listening to criticism. He played basketball. He signed a contract with his hometown team, the Patterson Crescents of the American Baseball League. It was the first black player in the league and possibly the first in all of professional basketball. There was some question going into the 1948 baseball season as to whether Doby should even make the team given his poor performance the season before, but he quickly silenced the doubters, reportedly even hitting close to a 500-foot home run during spring training. Once the season started and with a lot more playing time, 121 games and 500 plate appearances, Doby showed exactly what he could do, batting 301 with a 384 on base percentage and 14 home runs, all while reportedly playing an outstanding center field. With this performance, he helped the Cleveland Indians win 97 games, as well as a chance to play for the championship in the World Series against the Boston Braves. In the series, with the Indians up two games to one, Doby belted a third-inning home run that made the score 2-1 to the Indians. The score would hold, and the Indians would win, taking a three-game-to-one series lead. After the game, a photo was published in newspapers across the country of Larry Doby, joyfully embraced by the starting pitcher of the game and white teammate Steve Gromack. This photo has since become famous. To many, the picture represented acceptance, racial tolerance, and the spirit of friendship. To Dobie, that embrace it meant so much more. That was feeling from within, the human side of two people, one black and one white. That made up for everything. I would always relate back to that whenever I was insulted or rejected from hotels. I would always think about that picture. It would take away all the negatives. 
After the season was over, a parade was thrown in Patterson in Dobie's honor. Shortly thereafter, he attempted to use the extra earnings from the postseason to buy a house in a white neighborhood in Patterson, but was denied thanks to a petition from certain members of the community that had so recently thrown him a parade. In the end, it took intervention from Patterson's mayor before he was able to buy a house there. As good as he was in 1948, Dobie would be even better in 1949, earning all-star honors while belting 24 home runs and hitting 280 with a 384 on base percentage. The next season, he topped that by a good margin, hitting 25 home runs with a 326 batting average and a 442 on base percentage. He would become an all-star seven times, hitting 253 home runs over his impressive injury-shortened 13-year career, ultimately being forced to bow out after nagging injuries and eventually an x-ray revealing significant bone deterioration in his ankle. But Dobie's accolades, they didn't end with his playing career, or with baseball for that matter. In 1978, Bill Veek hired him to manage the Chicago White Sox. Dobie once again came in second, baseball's second black manager. Hall of Famer Frank Robinson was the first when he managed the Indians with Dobie as the first base coach. In 1980, NBA's New Jersey Nets hired Dobie to be their director of communications, a post he would remain in until 1989. Nine years later, Dobie was finally elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Larry Dobie died of cancer on June 18, 2003. Upon Dobie's death, former MLB commissioner Faye Vincent perhaps said it best when he stated, Larry's role in history was recognized slowly and belatedly. Jackie Robinson, who broke the color line first, but in the same year, quite naturally received most of the attention. Larry played out his career with dignity and then slid gracefully into various front office positions in basketball and baseball. Only in the 90s did baseball wake up to the obvious fact that Larry was every bit as deserving of recognition as Jackie. So I really hope you found that video interesting. If you did enjoy it, you'll probably also enjoy my other channel called Biographics, where we do biographies of notable people from history. Obviously, you can see why I'm making that recommendation given this video. Please find that linked to below. And as always, thank you for watching. Josh, what do you think has made Houston pitching so tough on this offense? Um, I mean, I think they had some good arms. I think they throw strikes for the most part. Um, when they do, they make quality pitches. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that they have a good staff. I mean, I think they're – I don't know where they're at as far as the league is concerned, but, I mean, I got to think that they're pretty pretty high up there. With Garcia today, what, what allowed him to keep you guys off balance? I mean, he just makes pitches all day. Made made quality pitches. Uh, he's got he's got good stuff, and felt like when he did make some mistakes, um, you know, it was probably foul balls for the most part. And uh, you know, I think he's got like I said, he's got good stuff. Overall, how are you feeling at the plate right now? I mean, it's a mixed bag. There's days where I feel pretty good, and uh, today I felt pretty bad. Uh, obviously, they did a good job of uh, pitching, and you know, it's just. You know, continue to take it day by day. Boone said he thought that you're not that far off uh, offensively. How, how would you characterize it? Yeah, I mean, I felt like um, took some swings today that were a little uncharacteristic for me. Uh, but my second at bat, I felt like I took a good swing, just barely missed uh, two pitches. And uh, series before, I felt like I've been um, taking some pretty good passes. Um, starting to get the ball in the air a little bit more. And, you know, I'm missing missing some pitches, but I'm still hitting it somewhat hard. Um, 
So I got to think that whenever it does start to click, it'll be pretty, pretty good. Josh, obviously, you know, with your first experience at Yankees uniform playing against the Astros, you know, with this budding rivalry that's been going on for a few years, do you guys get geared up more for these series? Like, are they more intense? I mean, I definitely, I mean, you could definitely feel it in, you know, when we were playing in New York from the fan base and from here in the fan base, it definitely, I mean, I don't think that we get more geared up. I think just the environment gets you a little, probably a little bit more excited about playing. Do you start looking at it? You know, a lot of people are talking about how you guys have been dominating your divisions as, mm -hmm. a, as this is a collision course to you guys meeting in the playoffs and maybe you're getting a taste of what that pitching can do? Uh, I mean, we're still a long ways away uh, from that. But like I said, it wouldn't surprise me if that was the case. Um, but I mean, that's not really we, we can't think about that at this moment um, when like I said, this is a day-by-day -day thing, and to be able to go out there and continue to do what we've been doing and playing very well. Uh, obviously, we lost today, but you know, look to bounce back tomorrow in Cleveland. Josh, when things aren't going well for you at the mm -hmm. plate, what usually gets you out of it? Is it a series of maybe a couple of good advances? Is it a bleeder maybe falls in there? Could it be a four-pitch walk? Could it be a combination? I think I think like for me, the indicator is when I'm starting to hit more balls in the air, um, and I feel like for the you know, better part of this year, I've kind of been on top of some on some balls and not maybe out in front, in between, and uh, you know, hitting way too many ground balls on the left side, and that's not my mo, and that's not what I want want to do at all. Uh, so, like I said, the last couple of series, being able to get some balls up in the air, drive some balls, um, you know, swing at good pitches, unlike what I did today, for the most part, um, is a good indicator of that. He's on pace to hit 62 home runs, one more than the Yankees' single-season record held by Ro Roger Maris. FYI, the, Bro the Bronx Bombers won the World Series that year. It was 1961. Shelly, he hit 61 homers, and he beat Mantle, who hit 54. One thing, that's not the Yankees' single-season. We talked about this yesterday, mm -hmm. Freddie and I. That's not the Yankees' single-season record. That's the Major League record, mm -hmm. Okay. But Bonds is 73, Maguire is 70, it's, any it's artificially, yeah. nobody thinks about that. 755, Aaron, 61, Maris, those are the two numbers, but I don't think Judge will get there. Okay. I wish he would. I don't think Judge will get there because I don't think the Yankees are going to allow him to push the pedal to the metal. Mm -hmm. They're going to have the best record uh, easily. They're going to have the one seed easily. They're not going to be playing anything for the last two weeks of the season. And if you do the math, he needs 33 home runs in 87 games. So, you know, he's not way ahead of the pace. So as a result of that, he's going to probably need every game to play. And those last 15 games, he's going to need two, three, four home runs. And the Yankees are going to say, hold on now. We're not going to wear you out here because then we're going to be a little worried about what you have left in the tank when we get to October. So that's why I don't think that they will push him there. Right. Be interesting to see what Judge does. Maybe Judge wants to break the record. I don't know. I mean, we'll I, lo I love Judge. Maybe he says, heck with it. I want the 61. Maybe he'll make a big deal about that. I would be a little surprised. But I don't think the Yankees will push the envelope for that. Remember, Maris, Mano got sick. Got you sick. know, he had that abscess. Right. Uh, Dr. Love, Love, you know, the guy gave him the shot because he had the, and, and the guy gave Kennedy the shot. And he, had, and he was sick. So he didn't play the last three weeks of the season. So Maris and Mano were neck and neck. 
Hey, that movie's great. You need to watch that yeah, movie 61. by Billy Crystal. Yeah, 61. You'd love yeah, that. Yeah. Oh, that's a good movie. <laughs> yeah, Tell him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Tell him, Freddie. Yeah, 61. You should watch it. Okay. Very good. Yeah. Anyway, mm -hmm. 61 for Maris. He hit the 61st home run last day of the season. Uh -huh. The big controversy then was he had 162 games to do it, and Ruth hit 60 in 154 games. So everybody thought, hold on now. Maris has eight more games to hit another couple of home runs. So that's why Maris's hair fell out. That's where that Maris We're got We're going pulled. on the weirdest tangent. Yeah, I know. It's a no, weird one. No, it's, but, it, it, but, but, but it's a history, it. but, but it's it's a history, history tangent. It's a history. Something that Aaron Judge won't have to deal with unless his hair starts falling out. And then that's a whole different and conversation. Root, the Yankee fan will root for Judge to do it because they hate bonds. Right. So the Yankee fan will root for Judge to get to 61. I just don't think the Yankees are going to let them do it. Okay. okay. Thanks for watching ESPN on YouTube. For live streaming sports and premium content, subscribe to ESPN+. Well, he really hit the shit out of that one, didn't he? <laughs> he held it like an egg. Yeah, and he scrambled the son of a bitch. Look at that, he hit the fucking ball. That gets a free steak. <laughs> you having fun yet? Oh, yeah, I'm having a blast. Nice. Good. God, sucker teed off in that like he knew I was going to throw a fastball. He did know. How? I told him.